And welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the show. This is the Young, Dumb, and Woke podcast, episode two. I'm your co-host, Hayden Davis, and I'm here with my incredible brother, Gideon Davis. And today, we are going into a little bit more about who we are, why that's relevant to you, and I would say how to go from triumphs to, to or from struggle, excuse me, to triumphing over your struggles. And... Uh, I'm super excited. I've been waiting to do this for a while. We've been prepping it for what over a week now. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty excited about it. I got to tell you. Me too. And I'm impressed with your intro abilities. I tried to do the intro before Hayden and I was just like, Hey man, you're actually way better at the intro than I am as at this point. So once you do it, so well I done. Think that, I think that we both decided that you are smarter than me, but I am much more rambunctious <laughs> than you are at this point in life. I would say that's, Probably true. <laughs> All right, let's jump into this. So yeah, this is this is just an episode more about us and and like Hayden said, how how we've triumphed in our short lives and um, hopefully we'll continue to triumph over things that that come along. And um, we just want to go through more about us and kind of our backstory. So Hayden, let's start with you. What what brought you here? How are you the place you're at? From many, many, many ridiculous, that doesn't necessarily mean bad, but mm-hmm. ridiculous decisions. Ridiculous. <laughs> Lots of ridiculous uh, decisions. No, I would say, you know, going back to, you know, so for a quick background on that, for people listening, Gideon and I grew up in like, a, you know, a home in which both of our parents, and I think I said this in the intro a little bit, but both of our parents were, uh, didn't have parents. Mm-hmm. So they were literally parenting off of nothing. So what that meant was I was the firstborn and they got to test different things on me. They got to test if grounding worked. They got to test if spanking worked and how that applies. And I know that's a, a, you know, a testy thing in today's world, but you know, up until like what, 2017 when everybody wasn't woke as frick as they are now, spanking was kind of the conversation anyways. um, But what that also meant was I got to be around a lot of people because my mom had what five siblings or six siblings, five siblings. There's six in total. And I think where that brought me was I, there was a lot of, of confusion, chaos, and I just got to experience life to the fullest. What that also meant was because of my dad's job, which my dad has written a lot of books on orphans. He ran a nonprofit for, what, 20 years? And I got to travel the most out of all my siblings. I was just, just how it went down. I was the oldest. That means I could do stuff a little bit before everybody. And, uh, I was, I, so I got to travel the world. I've been to what Russia seven times, Africa, three Europe, a handful, except Ukraine, et cetera, et cetera. And so I had what not a lot of kids had from a young, uh, from a young age, which was perspective, like world perspective. Mm. And I think a big part of that is the fact that I got to glean insight into what it looked like to be an American and to also know how crappy everything else was. And so I would say where that, what, where that now brings me today is I have an enormous amount of, um, I have like almost too much perspective at this point in my life where I almost am like self-loathing of myself. And is it just, possible to have too much perspective? I feel like I am too woke at this point <laughs> in my life. I am, I am very, that's a very you person. thing to say. I'm a person now that at 24, 
is like the guy that may get into a conspiracy theory too much. <laughs> and, and I feel like that happened from a young age. So that's where I would start. I don't know if you agree or disagree. But yeah, I agree. I agree. We, we were lucky and blessed as kids to have a family and parents that I would say were, the word I like to use is renegade. Um, I don't think we did things similar to other families in a good way, which for me was a huge blessing a huge, huge blessing. And so I'll, I'll go into a little bit of, of how I, I guess, started my life and, and, and how I got to the place I'm at now. In a similar way, I've been all over the world, just as Hayden said, and, and I've got this broad perspective. But, but before that, I was stuck in the American comfort bubble, is what I like to call it, um, which I love America. I, I'm a a huge fan of America and its freedoms. And like I said, maybe, maybe later we can get into a little bit of politics, but that's not what this podcast is about. Uh, or at least this episode, <laughs> uh, but I love America, but it, I got stuck in the comfort bubble. So my life growing up was amazing, but it was extraordinarily easy. And one of the reasons actually is because Hayden did everything for me. So I never had to, yeah, I never well, had to. Also could be mistaken by fudge everything for you. You have okay. to experience. Yeah. Well, both, both. chaos. From yes. I well, I got to watch you make mistakes that I was like, oh, I don't, I don't think that decision led to a, a good result. So I was able to see that uh, from, and then take a step back and be like, okay, I'm going to maybe make a different decision here. Uh, but at the same time, Hayden was way more confident, way more outgoing uh, he did everything. And so I just followed along. I remember I even just ordered the same food that Hayden ordered. I mean, I was just like, Hayden did everything for me. And so what what that led to, though, was me having a lot of insecurities that I didn't know were there because I never had to get outside my own comfort bubble that I had created and that my life had created. And And so when we moved to to Barcelona, uh, Hayden went to college the first year that we moved and me and my four siblings moved, sorry, three siblings. Cause you weren't there yet moved to, to Barcelona. And so I was alone and confronted right away with all of my insecurities that were hidden. I didn't know I had them because I didn't have to confront them. And let's also point out that you in the middle of teenage years, which everybody says not to do, Mm -hmm. uh, moved to a foreign country, didn't know the language, had no friends and only gleaned on your crazy family. Yes. <laughs> yes. That's, it's very true. It was, it was very difficult. It wasn't an easy thing, but at the same time, it brought to the surface all the things that I needed to grow in, but I was never forced to. Which I feel like too, just a, a very quick sidebar is such a part of the, like the, the American condition. Mm -hmm. which is, and I'm not saying, again, we have enormous suffering in this country. We have enormous problems in this country, but I think a lot of times because of what's out, because of how much social media and the media play a factor into things, we don't realize how amazing things are here. Getting, I don't even think like I had an amazing childhood too. I made it extraordinarily hard on myself. Mm -hmm. There were issues with it. I mean, I had a lot of insecurities within myself, but you and I, for the most part, and it's not like we, we didn't grow up with tons of money or tons of things. We just lived in America, which mm -hmm. I believe is still the greatest country on earth. 
Mm-hmm. And, and, and I think in order to, you know, get outside of that was it took our family, which is again, an extreme measure, but sometimes you have to do that moving to the complete opposite world or opposite side of the world in order to figure out or even like start to break down, I have the capacity to break down insecurities. Absolutely. And, and I think that's, I, I just think that's a, the, a point to make is sometimes it's so hard to even see things until they're the only thing staring you in the face. Mm, very true. And I don't think, obviously, everyone doesn't need to move countries to experience that. Uh, we can do little things in our daily lives to kind of get outside of our comfort bubble that we're creating and to push that growth. But it just so happened that that's what happened to me in my life. And so I had to confront those things early on. So I moved when I was about, I was 15 and I turned 16 a month after we moved. So it was, it was quite an interesting age. And, and like Hayden said, I, I didn't speak a lick of Spanish. I said, you know, I spoke Ola and that was it. And I went to a public Catalan school along with my younger siblings. And, and let's really define that real quick. Gideon went from being in an American schooling situation. He was actually homeschooled because we did soccer all the time. Mm-hmm. But an American schooling situation to Catalonia, which is the region where Barcelona is located in Spain where they speak primarily Catalan, which is a <laughs> dialect, a Latin, uh, it's a Latin, French, Spanish dialect, correct? Yeah, I would say it's a mixture of like Portuguese, French, and Spanish. Fantastic. I, um, and didn't know a single word and was trying to learn Spanish at the same time and had to have every single subject mm. taught in Catalan about a teacher that didn't give a shit about him. <laughs> For a full year, for a full year, my whole family did that. Yeah, that was crazy. Because my, we, nobody knew what else to do. So anyway, continue. Yeah, that school was uh, it was an interesting place. <laughs> my teacher didn't speak to me for eight months. Not a word. He didn't even say hi to me when I walked in. <laughs> I literally just walked in the class, sat there, and would try to stay awake because I was teaching myself Spanish from this big Spanish grammar book while I was listening to Catalan. And, and so it was, a, it was a strange thing to do and very difficult for me. But what's funny is I was so afraid of everything during that time that I actually hated going to school, but I would have rather gone to school and sit there where no one would talk to me than go to soccer practice or go to the grocery store because I was so afraid of looking stupid. And So school was like, no, I knew no one would talk to me or ask me questions. So I felt quote unquote safe there. But I managed to dodge going to the grocery store for three months. Um, It's it's sad to say now, (laughs) but it is the truth. It is the truth. I was just so afraid of looking stupid. And and that's when I talk about the, the insecurities that festered in me from not having to get uncomfortable in America. I was just thrown into the fire in Spain where I had to confront them right away. It was like, I was either just going to shrivel up or grow and confront these fears. And so I obviously thought, like I said, I dodged some of them for a long time, but as stuff started to go on, I started to face the fears and fears are almost always just a perception in your mind. And that's what I learned at a very young age that, Oh, I started to do these things I was afraid of. And then 
suddenly I wasn't afraid of them anymore. And it's so interesting because I didn't get to experience the first like three or four months. And you also couldn't be afraid of them after month five because <laughs> I came in. So guns a blazing. We'll talk about high school and stuff in Colorado at, you know, later. That was a whole story of itself, but let's just fast forward to Hayden went to college too early. Hayden should have stayed a year to get him, get his uh, bearings. Why? Because I was really immature. I had a lot of insecurities as well. I had a lot of fake confidence as a 17, 18 year old with a lot of testosterone had horrific cystic acne. I actually still struggle with acne to this day. But your, your boy went into school. I went to a Christian Division I school trying to play as a freshman soccer on a soccer scholarship with cystic acne. And my best friends were the two best-looking dudes on the team. And that was just a nightmare. The only thing I have left from college is those two buddies who were fantastic. Shout out to Tucker and Nico. But so I arrive in Barcelona, like what? It was uh, December of whatever. Let's say 2015. I think 2016 uh, yeah, with all my family in disarray and I was an army sergeant, AKA I was an insecure uh, douche, but who couldn't stand the sight of what I was seeing in my family. I was seeing my sister fall apart. Uh, I was seeing everybody just anger at each other all the time. I was watching my brother who was talking on the other end of this, be under a blanket reading and then just not doing anything. He couldn't go do the laundry. He couldn't go grocery shopping. It was a mess. It was a nightmare. Well, okay, hold on. This you're making it sound so bad. It was bad. It was bad. It was bad. But we were okay. I mean, it was bad, but I don't know if it was as bad as you're painting it. It People wasn't were, hold on, hold on. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. It wasn't like so bad, like everything was falling apart. It was so bad because I had seen my family exactly. in, in Colorado have this like big house. Everybody had stuff to do. We had something going, we had things going on, right? Mm-hmm. My, my dad had a, you know, a fairly like stable. It was like a, you know, a, 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 it, was a, it wasn't a stable job, but it was a job that he could build on. And we had friends and communities and we threw parties to where like now everybody's in this apartment, a small apartment with a fig tree in the middle of the house. Bizarre. Uh, more on that later. And everybody was just full of chaos. Mm-hmm. And, but to your point, what it bred was all the insecurities got to rise to the surface. And we actually ended up, you know, five years, fast forward, five, six years later. And we're all very much closer, more well-rounded human beings. Our parents love living in Barcelona. And it's been, a, I, I probably saved some of our family's lives as far as the time allotment of getting closer together and staying close. Yeah, absolutely. I think that when you do something outside of the box like that, the beginning time is always very difficult. And then that's the barrier to doing things like that. Um, and that was one of the schools of, 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 of like, you know, let's say the refiner's fire for us. Absolutely. That was like, that was one of the real, real tests is like, Oh crap. We are about to embark on a journey that not very many people do, but also that mm-hmm. we just don't even know where to go. Yeah, when you're like, confronted, like you can only do things that are that are um, dangerous for our brain or the perception of fear. Mm-hmm. There were only fear-based things that you had to just walk into. Yeah, absolutely. And you're confronted with yourself all the time. So, what happened to me was that because I didn't speak the language, I had no friends for two years. Um, that was I learned the language quicker than that, but I was I kept to myself 
maybe more than I should have. As Hayden said, I would go under the blanket and read books for hours and escape into different worlds so I didn't have to confront my own. But maybe that was a good way of coping, a better way of coping, I should say, than, than other ways. But I had no friends. Um, I couldn't speak the language. I, I felt very lonely. So I had to learn to like myself. And I realized that the only way I was going to really like myself when I was alone and just by myself was to make decisions to make me like myself. And those decisions were often overcoming the fears. And so I started to collect these experiences that I found made me like myself more and more. And that started to open my mind more. Like what? Well, I mean, even when we start them from the beginning is like you, I started going to the grocery store and realizing, oh my gosh, everything I'm afraid of isn't happening. And once I learned the language, I started to have to do everything because I learned quicker than my siblings who now speak way better than me. Um, and so I had to do everything for my parents. So I had to make all the phone calls. I had to meet all the people and explain our issues with the faucets. You know, I had to just start confronting these things. I, I had to go to soccer practice every single day when I knew I would look dumb if I didn't understand things. But I started to realize that those things weren't going to kill me, that they were just only going to make me grow. So I started stacking these things along and it just changed the way my brain was. And, and another thing I talked about this a little bit in, in the last podcast was I, I started to learn. I started to listen to other podcasts and learn about present gratefulness that completely changed the way I saw the world because I knew I was going to have to do something different than what I was doing. Otherwise I was going to be miserable all the time and anxious and stressed out by my fear of other people's perceptions all the time. And, and so I, I learned to be like that gratefulness was a superpower. So I learned to like really be grateful for little things in the moments and take walks throughout the city with my music and, and see the magic of the world. And I would bike to practice every single day and just feel this, this closeness with God and this connection with God and, and see the world in a completely different manner. So it, I truly believe it, it changed the way my brain saw the world and, and how my neural pathways were. Dude, I love that too. I also like, I, I, and we'll talk about it a little bit further on, but it also is what like the, the small decisions you made. And again, our situation in Barcelona and Gideon's not even realizing this was more of a shit show than you even realize. I remember when I got there and I got there six months after my family moved, I was just thinking through past memories. I remember I still have marks on my shoulders from carrying all of our laundry <laughs> because our washer was tiny and wouldn't work. So we had to take, again, you have Hayden, four younger siblings, mom, dad, everybody's laundry has to be done. And what do you have to do? You have to take it to a laundromat. And <laughs> I didn't have, I had, I was trying to become a professional athlete and I had college online. So I would, you know, help mom during the day. And if, if kids had extra schoolwork, like you get a bunch of school or whatever, I would be trudging, humongous ikea bags Ikea bags the biggest ones available with up the hill dude. falling out up a half a quarter mile hill laundromat then we'd have to wait to make sure the clothes weren't stolen 
then we'd go back. You go in stores and it's not like Costco or you're not walking into Walmart or Safeway or even or definitely and definitely not Whole Foods. The Whole Foods there is like, oh, here's the organic fruit that was picked this morning from this farm. On on our roof. <laughs> <laughs> hey, oh, you, you the grocery store? Oh, you can get one half carton of milk. Oh, you want more than that? You can't fit it in your fridge. So it was true. just this chaotic environment of like, what is, is this? This is a terrible decision. This is a terrible idea. I remember well, hearing- Well, hold on. Let me say, that, to give some context, when we pulled up to our first apartment, it wasn't that bad. It was just that I was a spoiled American kid. So our taxi stopped and I literally started laughing. Hold you're right, but let's fast forward a year later and let's understand that it was also pretty bad because, <laughs> and this wasn't you being American, Gideon and I shared a bed. I was 19 <laughs> and Gideon was 16 or yeah, I think so. Yeah. And it got so hot for a couple of weeks. I would have to, I would wake up sweating full sweat. <laughs> Gideon and I would sleep this <laughs> on that big, long pillow, sleep on a big, long pillow. No, only underwear on. It was so hot. We'd wake up sweating our asses off. Sweating, 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 sweating. We turn on a fan. The fan broke. It only blew hot air. We, my mom would check on us at night to make sure we weren't dead or overheating. That ended up getting so bad. We, our whole family slept on the only place, in the only place that that apartment had air conditioning which was my parents' room. So at one point there was all seven or sorry, six of us, seven of us sleeping in our parents' room. So there were a lot of things about Barcelona, especially that first year that were so incredibly. I just got to add, I got to add to that, uh, that the, the mattresses, because my dad went to Barcelona, we had to find a place really fast. So he just found the first place with whatever connection we had and was like, this is great. All right, we'll figure this out. And it was a former YWAM house. If you don't know what YWAM is, it's like a youth with a mission. Yes. Basically what they do is they have houses all over the world that or they have, they have, they have setups, uh, bases Mm -hmm. all over the world that people go. And then they like try and help different communities. Like people sign up, raise support, and then they go try and help different communities. Exactly. So this was a YWAM house. So there were some questionable things since a lot of these people that lived there were missionaries, basically. Um, and so we found out that the mattresses we were using, this, we found this out three or maybe three weeks to a month after we moved, that they were pulled from the trash. Oh, <laughs> so bad. So, so bad. we were waking up and you're like, mom and dad, like, I think I, just, I got like a lot of mosquito bites. Like, I don't know. I don't know what's going on. And my parents were like realized like those are bed bugs. Um, and so, and then our AC also when we moved was broken and it was the hottest summer had been in 25 years in Barcelona. So that was the other reason we were all sleeping in my parents' room. And when, yeah, when, when we pulled up and the taxi pulled up from the airport, the first time I got there, I started laughing because I legitimately thought my parents were playing a joke on me because there was graffiti on the walls now it's hard for me to say that now because it sounds so spoiled, <laughs> but that's how I was thinking. I thought, I, what am I doing living here? There's a graffiti on the walls. So all of this, as you can imagine or try to imagine, was a 
real shift in perspective and lifestyle and everything. Now we learned to love it, but in the beginning, things are hard and, and they force you to grow. And that's what happened to me. So it they, forced force you to, they force you to grow or you just shift into a state of fear. Yeah, exactly. Don't ever decide. It is really, and it really does come down. Like as far as fear is concerned or doing uncomfortable things, you don't have to move to Barcelona. Mm-hmm. Everybody has uncomfortable things on a day-to-day basis. Uh, I was actually listening to a podcast by Andy, uh, Andy Frazella, who, if you don't know him, phenomenal, phenomenal human being, um, amazing work ethic, et cetera. But he, he talks about how like he, he was, he was like, you don't think that all of us that are all these like entrepreneurs and we've made it like, you don't think we experience fear. Mm. No, 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 no. We experience fear. If, if not just as much more than you, here's what we have figured out how to do. And he, he was speaking from his own personal experience. We figured out one of two things, how to automate the fear. So as soon as it comes in, there's, there, there's an ability to just boom, meet it with courage or meet it with fight. Or we've just learned how to channel that fear into, you know, he says a couple words that I'm not going to use, but into your inner beast. And I, and I think that's kind of what it was when we were in Barcelona, especially after the first like year of getting acclimated, it was like, and your day-to-day struggle getting in. And, and so was mine in different ways, but it was, are you going to be a little boy or are you going to become that like, you know, inner beast? Yes. That like going like that, go get them. And you ended up, you know, doing that to a well, pretty and it's, I Oh, thank you. I, I, it's something that I desired too, from a young age that I, I wanted this story and, you know, be like I said in the last episode, I think be careful what you wish for because it was exactly what I needed and wanted, but it was much harder than I thought. And I remember my, my uncle actually came and visited us about four months, maybe after we moved there. And it was an amazing time, but he said to me, he goes, you don't know what you're getting. You don't know how this is going to, this is going to change your life. And, and from that point on, I remember going through these experiences and I'm sure as we talk and share more stories down the road, there's plenty of them to talk about and share. But I remember thinking when I was going through some of this stuff that I knew that the experiences I was going through were going to change my future for the better in such a significant way. And once I started living and thinking like that, uh, it changed the way I went about my day. Mm. And for that, I will be forever grateful to my parents and just for, for getting us out of, of a bubble. It was, it was exactly what I needed. Um, but didn't know why that I needed it. Well, and, and for those that, that, that don't know, and I'll talk a little bit more about kind of my side of the story, mm-hmm. but for those that don't know, you know, we'll talk more about our story as things get, get more involved. I mean, we, we don't like the story is too hard to, to break into one day, but what ended up happening was Gideon ended up, you know, being scouted one time and made the U S national team. Gideon ended up was one half step away from going and signing for Bundesliga club. He happened to snap his leg in half about three to five weeks before that was ever was a possibility of being a dream. Um, he still managed to overcome that. He would have never been able to do any of that had he not gone through that amount of it's just, I mean, really it was mental suffering and some of it was real suffering for sure. Mm-hmm. I mean, to, to like, not, and everybody has, everybody has suffering. Sometimes it's being homeless. Sometimes it's all in your head. Some, you know, everybody has 
um, that element of suffering, but you had, you would have never, the point is you would have never been able to get to a point where you could go and, you know, play on a national stage or get anywhere without going through that. I believe without going through that time period. Oh, absolutely. I, I could not agree more with you. And this is actually, you mentioned my broken leg, which is perfect because now we can shift into your story a little bit more and talk a little bit more about you and how intense you were during that time. Oh, because, because what I, referring to, I is, no, hold on. Let me, this is my story. To uh, tell. You're right. I'm sorry. I <laughs> just got surgery in my broken leg and my dream. This is fast forward to year three. Yeah. My dreams were shattered and, um, Hayden, I'd come home from the hospital and been about what Hayden five days, maybe, maybe five days. Four. And I, my surgery was like, a I, they cut my knee open and hammered a rod through my tibia. I still have that rod there. And so I'm in pain on the couch it's day five of my recovery. And Hayden comes in the house and he just starts chewing me out. Just telling my parents how lazy I am. I'm sitting there on the couch all day, not using my time wisely. This is five days after I broke my leg. So as you can imagine, this was, this was after I broke my leg. So the previous year, Hayden had just been going at me for every little thing, which I semi needed. But at the same time, it was pretty as, as, as I said, as I said a couple minutes ago, I was Sergeant Hayden when I got there. I had, I mean, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm always like, I'm an encourager naturally, but with my family, if I see them being lazy MFers, I am literally <laughs> like it's, and I've got, I've, I've had to step away from it knowing that, you know, and, and for those of you that like encourage your family or, or, or are leaders of your family, you can't help them unless you help yourself first. And mm-hmm. no amount of drilling people is going to change them if you aren't doing the work. And lastly, if you are trying to change someone, you're not going to change them by being intense all the time. Mm-hmm. I learned that. And I'm still learning that over, you know, being an older brother for, I guess, 24 years, but really like the last six or seven years trying to have a really great relationship with my younger siblings. So anyway, yeah, I mean, Gideon, I would say that I helped save part of Gideon's life as far as helping him on. I also hindered him because I, I was terrifying. So, <laughs> and let's, and we, we can dive right into that for a second. So I spent you know, two and a half years, I think two, two years and like, no, 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 no. It was like three years really trying to become a professional athlete in Spain, which is the hardest place I would say to try and become a professional soccer player in the world. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. I'm not going to say that for sure, but it's definitely one of the most competitive places in the world. And so within that two and a half or two, two and a half, three year stint, I played or tried out for 26 different teams ranging from Segunda Bay to like the seventh division in Catalonia. I, um, played games, played in friendlies, signed six week contracts. We'd get them dropped. I was an angry mess. I was trying to make it. I was constantly being bogged down. I was training, you know, at times nine hours a day, I would get up in the morning, um, three or four days a week. And there was a field 30 minutes from our house. And I would go in Metro when the sun was still down, I would go take a Metro to this, um, field and I would kick the ball hundreds of times to practice my goal kicks and my punts because I was a goalkeeper into the, um, the net. There's a huge net behind the goal and I kick it over and over. And then I do suicides and then I kick it over and over. 
Then, yeah, yeah. then hold on. The best part of that was that I would actually practice diving. And when I mean practice diving, I mean, I would go from the center of, I would have a lot of different things set up, but I would go from the center of the goal, touch the post and dive and see if I could touch the other post with that first jump. And a, 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 from goalpost to goalpost, I think it's 12 feet wide. So I was a lunatic to say the least. I was overworking myself. I was, you know, I would show up to practices with so much lactic acid in my muscles, I could barely kick the ball. And which I believe is part of the reason I probably didn't get as quite as far as I wanted. Maybe. So I was encouraged. I, I was in a process. Like I, I, I put myself under an extreme amount of stress and my body under extreme amount of stress. Cause I wanted to succeed so bad. And I wanted everybody else to succeed so bad. So I was just a big ball of intensity. Mm-hmm. And that I would say, you know, if there's any, if there's any glean, uh, if, if there's any like character glean in there, I would definitely 100% recommend that if you are trying to uh, go into, if you're trying to pursue a dream, deal with your insecurities at the same time. Mm-hmm. You know, get help. Um, ask parents. If you don't have parents, there's super cheap ways to get therapists. Talk to buddies that are safe. Get help because I was dealing with so much mentally that it was just showing up in every way. So, anyways, needless to say, uh, going going into the next thought. So I was on 26 different teams. The best story I can recall of all those years, there were two specifically. I was on this team for about seven and a half weeks, eight weeks. It was a fourth division team called Monyeu. Now, I didn't have a car. And how to get to Monyeu was about a two and a half hour drive. Uh, sorry, not drive. It was about an hour and 40 minute drive. It was a two and a half hour train ride. So this is how I got to training for that seven. Maybe it was like more like 12 weeks. I would walk a mile to the train station. I would take a train an hour to Grana Years. I would take a bus to meet uh, uh, one, of my, one of my teammates who would take me another 45 minutes to practice. As soon as training was over, I showered as fast as humanly possible, got in my teammate's car who graciously took me back, went to the same um, bus that took me to the train, that took me to the metro, <laughs> that the main train station was now closed, so I had to take a bus and would get back at my house four to five days a week and then I had a game the other day between 12 and two in the morning. It was insanity. Like when I say I wanted my dream to work, I wanted it to work so bad. It's true. The other quick story I would have is that I remember it was about a year and a half and I was trying so hard. I figured out that if you wanted to become a professional in Spain, you had to have an agent because it's kind of corrupt there. So if you don't have somebody that's like on the inside of a club, your chances are really, really, really slim, especially if you kind of speak Spanish, which I had just taught myself in three months of school. And you were obviously didn't look like you were from Catalonia or Spain from that matter, and didn't have a history of being a professional athlete already. So I finally found this guy. His name was Felix, by the way. I still remember his name. <laughs> he was his agent. He said, I'm going to help place you in a fourth or third division team blah, 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 blah. And I was so freaking excited. I thought I like one. I actually met him at outside camp new at that sandwich place. I can't remember what it was called. And he said, Pans. I want you to show up. Pons. 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 Yeah. And I want you to show up at this training tonight. It's, it's, it's at this certain location <laughs> by the air, airport called El Prat. I remember this. And there's a goalkeeper coach who's going to watch you. And then we're going to place you in a team from there. I was like, freaking awesome. This is what I've been waiting for, baby. Awesome. Like, thank you. Thank you, God. So I, I took a bus to another bus. It was about 50 minutes away. Um, it was actually only a 15-minute drive, but if you if you don't didn't have a car, which we didn't our first like 
year and a half or two in Spain. And even then when we had a car, the car was a POS or piece of crap. I'm not going to say the other thing. Um, cause I'm trying to watch my language. Well done. Uh, and mom and dad were using it to drive Hudson or somebody or Lily or, or grace to their volleyball uh, thing or Hudson just practice. So I show up and I was like, okay, well there, there must be something happening because there's only 12 and 10 year olds on the field. <laughs> and so I was waiting around and it was like five minutes before the session started and all these 12 and 20 year olds were starting to kick the ball around. And so I was like, so I went and asked somebody like, uh, which is like, you know, what is, where's the training for, uh, para los mayores, like for the older guys. They're like, no, solo es esto. Todo es poteros. It's all the, it's all goalkeeper training. And I realized that this mother freaking agent sent me to this, whatever with 10 and 12 year olds. I looked like, a how old big were you? Giant. How old were you? 19 and a half or 20 at this point <laughs> i'm trying to i'm trying to get on a team and so anyway not only that but the whole training session i had to do all these ridiculous drills that i had done when i was eight and nine years old but the coach ridiculed me <laughs> called me three or four times in front of uh in front of all these little goalkeepers and anyway it's a big giant joke and that was just kind of that was that was much of my story where i would almost do things i mean that was the, the comical side but in a real sense, I worked my nuts off and it just was, it was one of those comedy shows. Sorry, go ahead. Hayden was so motivated and I watched him and it made me way more motivated too. So I started working a lot harder and I got more disciplined, but I remember this one time where this was still the first year. I just have to throw the story in because it, it kind of describes his personality um, or at least how he was then. There was a Nike Invitational and which if you know what that is basically like nike used to do these invitational trainings and you had to like be someone to go to them like you had, you had to be, to be scouted. A, no you had to go to a like a preliminary nike training then be scouted and you got chosen yeah it was, it was called like, like nike the chosen it was called yeah it was nike. like it was like a big deal and it was at la masia which is where fc barcelona plays and trains and this was the first time I had ever been to La Masia was going, trying to go to the Nike invitational training because Hayden and my mom, who we will interview uh, here shortly, she has quite the story, were, thought it was a grand idea because who knows what can happen if you just show up, right? This is how my family thinks. So you can imagine insecure Gideon constantly being pushed by this mentality. Uh, we literally showed up to the, the door, the gates of La Masia and tried to sneak in <laughs> to the Nike invitational training, which I thought was crazy, but Hayden was all for it. So that was the first time I went to La Masia. We went but to the, you're not even, you're not remembering. It was at, it was at, we got, we got up at five 45 AM. We're there yeah. by seven. Yeah. There's nobody else there except some random guard. We pull up and I'm convinced oh, I'm going to get in. So <laughs> he was like, uh, uh, I was like, yo, estoy aquí para el Nike Chosen. <laughs> I'm here for the Nike Chosen thing. Like just walked up and it's like, you know, como te llamas? And I was, and which means what's your name? And like Hayden Davis. And he said, no está en la lista, <laughs> which means that I wasn't in the list. 
I was like, no, 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 sí, estoy, estoy en la lista. <laughs> we went back and forth for a minute. It was obvious that I wasn't there and he wasn't going to let me in. But yes, I was, I mean, I was out of my mind. I also, I really wanted to go pro and I had no idea what I was doing. I had no, I had no, nobody knew. No, nobody, nobody had a, uh, you know, runway. Hudson, Hudson was the only one that was like actually, Hudson had a, a clear pathway. He was on a very, 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 very elite team. Mm. And I was a good goalkeeper who played a cad in high level Academy and, you know, got to train with the first team of the Colorado Rapids professional team, the MLS for a while. And I didn't have any backing or nothing. I just literally went, bought a plane ticket because my family lived there and went to Spain. But I am so happy that I tried to, 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 mm. to I was going to say, you... I'm so, 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 so grateful that uh, I, I don't play soccer anymore, but I literally lived out my full dream. I still to this day have no regrets about stopping. Um, I had, I just like, I had a good run. I actually, you know, I finished with, with a, my first contract offer and I was just, I was just done. I was, I had worked so hard. I was exhausted and I just couldn't see myself continuing playing soccer and enjoying it, especially playing goalkeeper, which is another a story for a different day just understanding who I was and where I was at that point. But I was so grateful that I tried something like that. And I'll go into more details one day about the, you know, the craziness of all these different teams and almost playing for Everton and having a shot at that and et cetera. But I am, my, my point being is I think if you have a dream, you have to, you have, especially before you're 25, I would say even 30, you have to try, you got to try it, especially Absolutely. if you have the opportunity to. And, and that, that's what I did. Yeah. You and can only go for your dream. Certainly. You can only go for your dream. I guess that's not true. You you can go for different dreams at different time in your life. There's certain you can't you can't go, go for, for. A, a high performance dream. You know, past really your twenties, mm. you can't start. You know, you can't you can't try and become a professional soccer player at thirty five. Right. But I would say, if, especially especially in the realm of athletics, if you have a dream to do something or go somewhere, I would definitely recommend freaking pursuing it with all it has. Um, and don't just pursue it. I would say pursue all forms of education in the process and, and, and don't just be super one-sided, but go for it. Yeah. And I had a lot of respect for you. I remember watching you thinking, man, it, I just, I always was like, wow, it's, it's amazing what the drive that you had, which inspired me to stop being as lazy as I was. And so that really was one of the shifts as we kind of come into at some decent background uh, about us there's so much we could say but that gives some some context but to to where we are now um i just kind of wanted to finish this off by or this little second part of the intro and, and knowing a little bit more about about our stories is how we got to where we are now and kind of the head spaces we're both in and, and what we're working on so yeah you, where are you at where are you at getting yeah well watching you and a lot of other things in my life made me a lot more disciplined. Um, I struggled, I think, even with my opportunities, I, I struggled with laziness and letting stuff pass me by. And I really think this year that shifted the most in my life. But I went to the University of Denver for a year um, and played there. And I, I won't get into that story right now because – I don't want to, <laughs> and we don't have time. Um, but I played there, did well for a year, but at the end of the day, decided to to move along. And I actually quit soccer um, and went back to Barcelona 
And so I quit soccer for a whole year. And then there was a, a crazy thing that happened. I met someone at a, at a dinner and he knew I shared my soccer story with him and he happened to know the assistant coach for the current university I'm at now, Gonzaga. And he said, you know what? Maybe this is a God thing. You know, you should just give him a call. Who knows? And, and the last thing I wanted to do at that point was play college soccer again, because I didn't have the greatest experience at, at my last university. But anyways, that without going into detail with that, I obviously am here now. And um, I feel extraordinarily grateful. I, I wasn't seeking it out, but I, I think I was doing the proper things through that time um, to be ready for an opportunity. And so that happened. And then obviously the coronavirus and quarantine happened. And during that time was for me when I really shifted mentally. I, I, I think I grew an extraordinary amount from, from a boy to more of the man that I want to be. And that's obviously a daily continual thing and growth process, but I feel like I'm inching closer every day, which is, which is really cool. And I feel like I'm at a really good place in my life. And I think Hayden's at a good place in his life too. And that was, I finally felt ready to be able to do something like this, like this podcast to be able to talk about all the things that I've learned and done while also pushing myself to learn and grow even more and then share that. Cause I know this is going to hold me accountable to doing that. Dude, I love that. Yeah. And I think you're kind of being too modest, but Gideon's also gotten extraordinarily good at uh, trading. And I mean, it feels like he's starting to actually make bankers. Some, I some, I sometimes know. I don't know if it's bank po poquito a poquito, but <laughs> no, he's you're figuring out how to have like an actual income and skill in college while you're studying. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you're toying with, becoming a professional athlete or what that looks like. I mean, you, you have, you're such a different, you're a leader of your team. You're a leader in, in elements around your university. You're a leader to different people, honestly, in different parts of the world. It's interesting to just see the change of what Barcelona and mm. all the couple first couple of years morphed into now. Absolutely. I mean, and, and let me say, actually, you just reminded me of something. I think that's really important. One of my teammates and I'm sure you're listening to this, uh, asked me a couple months ago, like, basically, I can't remember the exact question was basically, like, what did your parents do with you? Like, how did they parent you? What was like the, 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 the biggest thing they did, the most important thing they did? And you'll see when we interview our parents, they have fascinating stories and, and they're honestly unbelievable. Um, but I, I, I said... Yeah. <laughs> why, why are you laughing? No, they are. Yeah, they're they're amazing people. Um, but I the first thing that came to mind was my parents loved me extremely well and supported me in every way, but they never let me be a victim. And that alone, I think, is one of the main reasons that I've been able to grow because. I knew that I had responsibility for my life and that I could change it. And once I really started to adopt that idea and personality, I started to like myself even more and live with even more joy and sit alone by myself and have peace 
while not making all the right decisions and not being perfect, of course, as we're flawed human beings, but trying to go for something and trying to set your life up in a, in a good way to be ready for any opportunities that come. And, and that's one of my passions with this podcast and, and sharing about that. I think both me and Hayden are trying to do that at a somewhat young age. And I don't feel like there's enough that's talked about, about this type of thing. And I even, I want, one of my goals is to not have my parents pay for a single thing for me. So that's where the investing came in. And I still haven't, um, since I started school, I haven't made my parents pay for anything. So there's these little things that I want to, want to share what I'm doing and, and how it's going. And I know Hayden has things as well. No, I do. I love that. I, I totally agree. I think, you know, if I, if I had a gleaning of insight from my life is the moments I've been a victim and the moments I've chosen to be a victor have been the defining moments in my life. Mm. You know, I can say, Oh, I should, I should have gone on this freaking team. Or I shouldn't, I should have done this or I should have, you know, I shouldn't have been fricked over in this business deal. I should have, but ultimately if you take personal responsibility and you move on and you get better, whether you're trying to be an entrepreneur, whether you failed at a test, whether you are trying to become a doctor and you can't get into med school, whether you want to be a Marine and you failed, um, you know, uh, uh, what's it called? Week, hell week once. And you want, you're, you're prepping to go back, whatever it is. If you're, if you choose to be the victor in every situation, you will win. You may not win today, but you'll win the battle today. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I think that goes into like my kind of where I currently am now. Like I live in, you know, uh, I live in LA I live in a you know cool spot with really awesome, uh, really awesome housemates um, may, that may change, but I'm, I'm probably going to be here for at least the next 12 to 18 months. I would call myself a failed entrepreneur, but I would say I've learned so much. I've, I've, I've had some success along the way. I've, you know, I'll get into it later, but let's just say that I've tried to uh, do, a, I've tried to broker a lot of international business deals um, for that being in the, I tried to work with a uh, prince one time that is from Kuwait which I'll share at another point about the insanity of that. I've tried to, you know, I, I got to work underneath a, uh, a, a billionaire for a little bit of time and tried to uh, make his passion project. That was a genomic health healthcare product come to life in Spain. Um, you know, I've gotten to do crazy, ridiculous things and you got into the world of e-commerce a little bit. And so, uh, you know, now I, here I am sitting here at 24 and I'm actually creating uh, in the process of creating my own brand and coming out with um, something I'm super passionate about doing creative projects like this with, with, with Gid and actually really just getting clear, I think for probably the first time on what my purpose here on earth is, mm-hmm. uh, which is something I did not value through my, I guess, let's say like 20 to 24, 21, whenever I started business to 24, I'm turning 25 this year, which is like, I just wanted to make money. And, you know, I, I, I did in, in certain capacities and now I'm like actually figuring out like actually the real way to generate wealth and the real way to have consistent happiness and to find true joy, I think is, uh, in my experience, trusting God with your life, being happy internally and actually finding your purpose. Cause I'm in a situation where I can, you know, I'm, I have some skills and I've learned some things and I can actually pick what I want to do and, and, and do what I want to do. But if I don't do it from a purpose standpoint, it goes nowhere because mm. responsibility and purpose bring meaning. Yes. And uh, yes. And we're all learning. 
I don't want to be uh, vague. I'm, uh, I've been working on a, a fashion brand for a while that I think is, is going to launch in sometime in the spring and um, a couple other things. That's probably, that's, that's the main, that's the main thing I've been working on for a while. Um, and so we'll, we'll, we'll share more details about that as that comes along, but that's, that's the, my main focus at this, at this current moment in time. Mm. And the cool part about where we're both at, I think is that we're, I think you're always learning, but like we talked about a bit in the last episode, we're on this, we're, we're, we're in the beginning of this journey. And so I think we want to start recording and, and sharing along the journey instead of sharing after the journey, um, which I think is, is cool. It's, it's rare to have that opportunity where you get to talk about stuff you're actually really going through instead of being the wise old guy who's sharing his life lessons. It's like, all right, yeah. here's what I'm learning right now today. Uh, I really like that aspect of it. No, totally. And, and adding on to that, uh, you know, I think part of rediscovering, I, I actually hate that I'm saying this right now, but it's fine. Rediscovering myself has been part of the last three months. I just got out of a pretty toxic business situation that I really just didn't have business being involved in, but it was a phenomenal experience. I learned a ton, but through that, I've been able to, um, you know, regain, uh, like I've, I've really been passionate about training, um, like lifting heavy weights. I've always wanted to for a long time. I've actually like dreamed about being a bodybuilder for a long time. Um, and you know, I have, I have the luxury to live with a bodybuilder. And so I, I have training partners. I'm, um, creating content every day. I'm getting to, you know, kind of live out my, other dream, which was to, I wanted, literally, I wanted to start a podcast and I wanted to build a, a brand and I wanted to, to, to train with, with friends and people that I, that I cared about. And that's kind of actually what I'm doing. And, um, my point to that was, I think that in the process of, again, when you're in your twenties and when you're, I would even say when you're in your thirties, do what you want to do. Like I, I have that, that's one thing I have been so freaking good at is figuring out what, like, what do I want to do? And getting people around, whether I'm broke, whether I have money, whether what, whatever the situation is, and doing what I want to do. And I think you and I are both living that right now. Like we're like we're at the beginning stages of it. We're not, we haven't arrived by any means. You're still in college. I'm still a oh, very, very, very young, basic entrepreneur. But we're both super happy with ourselves for the most part. We have really great relationships. And the reason why is because I would say it's three reasons: God, parents, and freaking not being a victim. Mm, I love and it. I think that that the, those are all superpowers. Um, the fact that we've and not everybody gets to have those, which is why I hope that by you know maybe maybe hearing us, you glean some insight. Like we've been super fortunate to have miracle parents uh, who shouldn't even like really statistically they shouldn't they should be divorced and not even have a good good relationship, much less raise kids that um, you know are, are are figuring out the process of thriving. Mm. And I think that that's the goal. And it's not about making crap tons of money. It's not about, you know, finding uh, happiness through materialistic things. It's literally about figuring out who you are, figuring out what you want to do and going for it. I love it, bro. That's I'd say that's where, that's where we both are. That's where we both mm-hmm. are, seriously. And I love it. I love it so much. Yeah. In the, in the beginning stages of trying to figure out how to make the most of the gift of life. Yeah. And hopefully getting to share about whatever the good and the bad that we're going through. So 
this has been fun. It's been fun reliving the some of the stories of of Barcelona, and there will be more to come. There's but so, no, it's, it's yeah. a perfect perfect place to uh, perfect place to stop for today. We'll leave some people on their toes about what's coming mm. next week. I've got some interesting investing stuff to talk about too. Oh, so be be on the lookout for that. <laughs> and we we thank everybody, um, especially friends and family, for for listening to this. We're super excited about where this is going to go. Amen to that. So thank you guys. And we'll see you next time.